All right. Good morning. Let's do a show. I think there's a few things to talk about today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. I did start on time. And when I turned on my computer, everything is working like it should be. And I didn't have to change anything. So I'm kind of weirded out. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, this is, this is really unusual. Things never go this well. <laughs> what is, <laughs> I don't know what's up, but I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> I'm expecting a surprise. Um, Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. I uh I had a great time going on a little mini trip with my with my family, celebrating my uh my youngest birthday. He turned four on St. Patty's Day. We did a lot of we did a lot of great activities over the weekend. I'm sorry I wasn't around, but because there's a lot of news I missed that I would have loved to cover. I'm gonna try and play catch up today and cover a lot. I'm not gonna be able to get all of the things that I want to get to. Um what I really want to talk about is the Miles Guo indictment and take you through that. But there's just so much other stuff happening that I feel like I need to hit on that first. And I have a particular interest in going right at this conversation, this 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 narrative that Trump is going to be arrested tomorrow. Um, so that's the first place we're going to go, and that's the first thing we're going to we're going to talk about today. Um, hope you guys are doing well. If you enjoy the show, hit the thumbs up over on Rumble, share the show wherever you like to watch it. 
Um, thank you guys for the uh, red pills or the gold pills over on Foxhole. And best way to support the show, guys, if you're interested in doing that, is to share it. But beyond that, it's buymeacoffee.com slash justhuman or justhuman.substack.com. Those are the two best ways to support the show. The Substack is also how you can get the podcast if you would prefer to consume the the podcast version of the show, um, which about a thousand people do. About a thousand, somewhere between like seven hundred fifty and a thousand people uh, regularly listen to this show as a podcast, which is pretty cool. Um, other ways you can support the show all the all the links are in the description over there on Rumble or in my link tree. Um, red, white, and bourbon 45 is where the merch is red, white, and bourbon 45.com. Um, or you can buy yourself some honey from bensonhoneyfarms.com. Use rep code just human and you'll get yourself some honey. So, and thank you to everybody who, uh, who does all that, all that stuff that that's what makes it makes this possible. Okay. Let's, let's talk about. The Manhattan DA. I don't even know. I don't even know how far I'm going to get through this. We'll we'll just we'll just go as far as I can because I have um. I mean, I talked about it last night on Defected, um, which we had a great show last night. Really, enjoy, I really enjoyed it. I felt like, in fact, I I feel like um on Defected. Like I feel like we've been having some really good shows. But the second hour is when we have our best stuff. Like we have our best content, our best takes seem to come out in the second hour. And almost always because someone made a really good rumble rant that causes me and Burning Bright to bounce off of each other and wrestle with a subject. And I feel like it's it's kind of interesting to me looking back on it how often – Burning Bright and I lay out, okay, let's talk, let's hit these subjects and we want to, we want to make, we want to make these points. All right. I have this interest. I have this comment I want to make. And and we don't do a lot of planning. We just, which y'all can probably tell, we just kind of, you know, set some bullet points we want to hit. But chat always provides great rumble rants and, and commentary that leads Burning Bright and I to have a discussion we didn't expect. And that usually ends up being the best thing on the show, which is great. I, I love that about the show. Um, it also gives me a little bit of anxiety every time we plan it out. Cause I'm like, all right, this is what I think we're going to talk about, but who knows what will actually happen. <laughs> all right. So, This is from March 16th. Michael Cohen says an indictment is imminent. Trump is going to be indicted. And if you're not familiar with this case, this is what's going on is that Alvin Bragg has been running a grand jury in New York. He's the Manhattan DA, district attorney. He's been running a grand jury in New York investigating whether Trump paid hush money to Stormy Daniels by not directly paying her, but by reimbursing Cohen for the money that Cohen paid her through a shell company. And this was years and years and years ago. This was back in 2016. And people have been tripping out about this because Cohen is saying an indictment is, is imminent. There are various 
uh, people on the left and the right who are saying that Trump is definitely going to get indicted. There's rumors of this. The NYPD is considering how they're going to indict, how they're going to arrest him. And it's just, it's inbound. There's, they're going to get Trump. And man, <laughs> all the media is jumping on it. They can't stay away from it. This is from March 17th on last Friday. Manhattan DA's office asked for a meeting with law enforcement ahead of possible Trump indictment. And according to Fox News, or according to a court source, the DA has asked for a meeting with law enforcement ahead of possible indictment of President Trump. According to the source, the meeting was requested last Thursday and hasn't been set. The meeting is to, quote, discuss logistics for some time next week, which would mean that they are anticipating an indictment next week. Trump's spokesperson, Stephen Chung, reacted to the news by ripping District Attorney Alvin Bragg in a statement to Fox News Digital, calling his investigation a witch hunt, quote unquote, and accusing him of being in the pocket of President Biden and the radical Democrats. Well, usually when I see the term witch hunt thrown around by Trump or Trump's people, that's a nod to me that this isn't about getting Trump. It's about getting that witch. And we know the witch to which I refer. <laughs> when I see which mentioned by Trump and team, I'm thinking of Hillary Clinton, which you might think, how the heck could this be about getting Hillary Clinton? Well, we might get there here in a minute. Also from Friday, this is from Newsweek. Michael Cohen sounds the alarm for Trump lawyer Evan Corcoran. Now this is a different one and people have, there's been some confusion. I've noticed a number of people get a bit confused there's several grand juries that are out there that are supposedly out to get Trump. There's the the Georgia district. There's a Georgia grand jury that was going on that's now over. There's this one out of Manhattan. And then there's the at least two grand juries that are being run having to do with the documents case and January 6th. And that's the special counsel um, Smith, uh, Jack Smith. That's Those are his grand juries which there's a little bit of news on that front too. Um, so just to clarify, I think because of this comment from Michael Cohen, um, he's talking about the classified documents case and Evan Corcoran, the judge has ruled that Evan Corcoran has to testify uh, to a grand jury and it's a limited, it's like it's narrow what he can be asked about. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to point that out. There's four grand juries that have been in the news related to, getting Trump. Fox News reported that, yep, Alvin Bragg is preparing to arrest Donald Trump, complete with fingerprinting and normal processing under a misdemeanor charge federal prosecutors refer, refuse to pursue. So grok, grok this. Oh, I need to unmute it. All right, here we go. No, I need to unmute y'all. Okay. This is a very pro show, very professional show. Here we go. Here we go. Bam. We're learning that the Manhattan DA's office has asked for a meeting with law enforcement ahead of a potential Trump indictment. This is coming to Fox News from a source in the courts. The meeting, which was requested yesterday and has not been set yet, is to discuss logistics for some time next week, which would mean that they are anticipating an indictment next week. 
Same source who's familiar with the planning said they will go over security preparations in and around the courthouse in lower Manhattan. Secret Service will take the lead in what they will allow or will not allow. The source cautioned, mentioning, for instance, that the decision to handcuff the president, a former president, or not. They will set the tone and will escort him into the courtroom. There will be coordination between all of us, the source said, but we will defer to the Secret Service. The battle will be between Secret Service and DA Alvin Bragg. They will decide how and when he'll get into the building, and they are not going to leave him. The source believes that the former president will still have to be fingerprinted and processed like every other defendant. So um, this is a huge development if Alvin Bragg has decided to go ahead with a felony indictment of the former president. This was a, a charge that the federal officials refused to prosecute on or even really pursue. Uh, this was a misdemeanor in New York that Alvin Bragg has decided to elevate to a felony while at the same time downgrading other felonies to misdemeanors. So we'll be watching this to see how it all unfolds to get more information as it comes in. Sandra? Okay, a number of contradictions here that I just can't wait any longer to point out. This is a misdemeanor charge that for many other people has resulted in simply a fine. Similar charges have been brought against other politicians for similar things, and they didn't get arrested. They paid a fine. Recently, Hillary Clinton got busted for paying for the fake dossier. And she paid a fine. She didn't get arrested. This is also a charge, a misdemeanor charge that a grand jury was convened for. You don't convene grand juries for misdemeanors. This is a federal offense, not a city or state offense, but yet we have a New York City Manhattan district attorney who's bringing this case, supposedly against Trump, for a federal offense. That doesn't make any sense. And then federal prosecutors have already looked at this. They've already looked at this issue before and declined to charge Trump. Like, no, there's nothing here. There's nothing, there's nothing to charge him for. So there's all these things that don't make sense about this and which tell you that if Trump is arrested, it's going to get tossed. Like this isn't going to be a successful prosecution at all, but that's even if he gets arrested, which I doubt. Speaker McCarthy said, here we go again, an outrageous abuse of power by a radical DA who lets violent criminals walk as he pursues political vengeance against president Trump. I'm directing relevant committees to immediately investigate if federal funds are being used to subvert our democracy by interfering in elections with politically motivated prosecutions. That's a big deal. Speaker McCarthy just sent, he just sent a, a warning shot out like, Hey, we understand. It's been known that the, there's some DOJ people that are in the Manhattan DA's office who are at least communicating with it or giving it information or whatever. And we don't know the nature of it. But if federal money is being used to try and further this, then we got a problem and we could see 
the, the Committee on Weaponization of the Government, this could become an issue for them. Speaker McCarthy also posted Alvin Bragg is abusing his office to target President Trump while he's reduced, reduced a majority of felonies, including violent crimes, to misdemeanors. He has different rules for political opponents. Republicans stopped the radical D.C. crime law, and we will investigate any use of federal funds that are used to facilitate the perversion of justice by a Soros-backed DAs across the country. Good, good. Good statements from McCarthy. Um, I want, you to, I want you to hear what Michael Cohen says right here. Just a moment. Calls from... Yeah, so this morning I did receive a whole slew of phone calls from journalists asking me if I'm going to be back to the DA's office tomorrow. Um, he's meaning he's meaning Monday today. As a rebuttal witness uh, to whoever it is that they're bringing um, there tomorrow whether it's before the grand jury or it's just to meet with them for interview. Uh, again, I'm not sure. But, yes, I was asked to make myself available and to be at the uh, DA's office tomorrow. As a- Okay, so something's amiss here. Last week, Michael Cohen was saying an indictment of Trump is imminent. Cohen's already testified to this grand jury. Supposedly, he's the star witness. But here he is on Sunday saying, I've been called back to testify as a rebuttal witness to someone else who's supposed to testify today. That person is Robert Costello, who was a former attorney for Mr. Cohen and former attorney for Bannon and former attorney for Rudy Giuliani. A Manhattan grand jury that is expected to vote soon on whether to indict Donald J. Trump may hear testimony Monday attacking the prosecution's star witness, according to people with knowledge of the matter. The testimony would come from lawyer Robert J. Costello, who would appear at the request of Mr. Trump's lawyers. Remember how there was a talk last week, I believe it was, or the week before, of Trump possibly showing up and and talking to this grand jury? How there was an invite? And I think I remember staying on this show that that's pretty strange. Like people don't get invited like uh, stop by the grand jury if you want to and, uh, and have a little talk with them. Like that doesn't happen. People get subpoenaed to show up at grand juries. So interesting that this is the guy who's being sent. Mr. Costello and Mr. Cohen had a falling out and Mr. Costello would appear solely at the grand jury to undermine Mr. Cohen's credibility. The people said under New York law, a person who is expected to be indicted can request a witness appear on his or her behalf. Mr. Trump's lawyers have asked that Mr. Costello testify, but the final decision rests with the grand jury. It is unclear whether they have made a decision. The grand jury has been hearing evidence about the former president's involvement in hush money payment to a porn star. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen is today, the jury, this uh, grand jury meets Monday, Wednesday, Friday afternoons. So what's going to happen, what's supposed to happen today is this guy's going to show up to testify and talk, tell, inform the grand jury about how untrustworthy Michael Cohen is. And then 
Cohen is also going to be there as a rebuttal witness to try and rehabilitate himself in front of the grand jury, I guess. And uh, the grand jury would supposedly vote today on whether or not to indict Trump. That's how the narrative goes, is that after they hear from them today, they're going to take a vote. And Tuesday, he's going to be arrested, allegedly. Allegedly. We'll see if that happens. Um, Michael Avenatti had an interesting comment on Friday. He said, there are many critical facts and pieces of evidence, text, emails, etc., relating to the hush money scandal that have yet to see the light of day. And they will unfortunately be very damaging to the prosecution if Trump stands trial. At this point, you simply can't build a case on the testimony of Cohen and Daniels, meaning Stormy Daniels, the person who received the hush money. Allegedly. I mean, it's allegedly hush money. Um, And I've seen this not just from Avenatti. I've seen a number of federal prosecutors and uh, various people, legal experts and whatnot, saying this is a this is not a good indictment. Alvin Bragg should not be bringing this. And to have Michael Avenatti come out and say, yo, this is not a good idea. There's a lot of texts and emails that haven't come out yet that if you indict Trump, they're going to come out and they're going to be really bad for the prosecution. Avenatti would know. He would know because he was Stormy Daniels' defense attorney. And I've seen all these other prosecutors say this is not a good case to bring for all the reasons I've listed here, just how unusual it would be and how it doesn't even make sense that this is even happening, but, and that it's already been looked at by fellow prosecutors and dismissed, but it's a bad case. There's nothing, there's nothing to build on here. Discovery would be a B I T C H. That's, that's going to be, I'm going to get to something else real quick before I get to this. Cause this is, that's going to be my end point. I think, um, hold on just a moment. I need to, uh, find my own, so as y'all know, I, I, um, took my break, which I really didn't, I mean, I really didn't mean to take a break. It's just, my wife had a business trip out, out of town. So I went with her and, um, took the kids with us as my youngest birthday. So I ended up taking a break for those reasons from the news. And when I came back to the news really on Sunday afternoon, I started paying more attention. And then Sunday I was really back in it trying to catch up before defected and to prepare for this show. And I noticed that so many people were talking about how Trump said he's going to be arrested on Tuesday. And I was like, why is everybody thinking that Trump is going to be arrested on Tuesday? Why is, why does MAGA continually get fooled into thinking that Trump is going to be arrested We've been through this so many times before. We've had so many other instances where the media tried to convince us that an indictment of Trump was imminent, that Trump was going down, Rudy was going down, um, all these other people are going to get arrested that are Trump team. Um, That narrative pops up every four to six weeks. The walls are closing in on Trump only to peter out into nothing. And then what ends up happening is that somebody who was an enemy of Trump gets indicted instead. 
<laughs> but here we are again. People think the walls are closing in on Trump, including Trump's own supporters. So then I found this truth from Trump and I was like, ah, this is what's up. This is what's up. So I'll read this truth. I'm sure y'all y'all are familiar with it, but I'm going to read this truth from Trump. He writes, and yeah, there was a page one to this, but it's okay. Page two is it's fine. Page two, We don't need to go to page one to understand page two. He writes, oops, I need to change this right here for myself. Just a moment. He writes, now, illegal leaks from a corrupt and highly political Manhattan district attorney's office, office, which has allowed new records to be set in violent crime and whose leader is funded by George Soros, indicate that, with no crime being able to be proven, and based on an old and fully debunked by numerous other prosecutors fairy tale, the far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. Protest, take our nation back. He tells you right here in this statement, it is always so important to look at what Trump writes. In fact, I'm going to grab my post of it to Twitter because that one has the highlights of it that I really need. It'll make it that much easier to, to understand. Right there, illegal leaks. Everything there, what I have underlined in this is the most important things he's saying. Everything else in here is hyperbole and description, and it's extra stuff. And it's not that it doesn't matter, it's just that it's extra stuff that fills in, that's in between the most important pieces of this statement. What he literally told you is illegal leaks indicate that he will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. He did not say, I will be arrested on next week. He's not telling you that he will be. He's telling you that illegal leaks indicate that he will be arrested next week. All this other stuff is is well and good, but uh, Salt Muncher, good morning, is right. It doesn't affect the rest of the statement, this rest of the stuff. Illegal leaks indicate that I will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. And we all know the leaks are real, but the news is fake. So why are we believing the news about the leaks? Why would any of us buy the fake news? We've been here so many times before. It's the Trump is going to be arrested hoax over and over and over again. So as you can probably understand, I don't believe it. I don't believe he will be arrested. But I do believe that as Iowa Trump, good morning, just said Trump wants it. He wants he wants this narrative out there. I, I agree with that. And this last sentence, protest, take our nation back. That right there was the bait he's putting out so that 
the media pays attention to this statement. This statement right here traveled very, very far because the fake news media, one, they're salivating at the idea that he'll be arrested. Two, take our nation back. They are portraying that as a call for violence, just like January 6th. Trump is trying to create another January 6th, this time in New York City. That served Trump's purposes, because what has happened here, if you guys recall, Cy Vance ran a grand jury trying to get Trump. Remember that? It was about a year ago that he resigned. Cy Vance ran that grand jury and returned. He had prosecutors quit on him because it was so politically motivated. And in the end, they found nothing. And the grand jury, even a grand jury out of New York City, didn't return an indictment on Trump. And so the grand jury ended. It just ended without bringing charges. And I remember sharing that that news around and everybody laughing about it because it was yet another Trump is going to be arrested hoax. Cy Vance ran on getting Trump and he was finally going to get him. He's got this grand jury and he's got prosecutors and he's building this case, all this evidence. It's coming any day now. The grand jury's almost done. And then it ended with no charges. And Cy Vance was like, well, I'm retiring. He failed. He failed to get Trump. Alvin Bragg comes along and he's doing the same thing again. And I think most likely what would have happened is that Alvin Bragg would have ended this grand jury and brought no charges. It would have just ended inconclusive, couldn't couldn't get enough together to bring charges, and the media would barely report on it. It'd be a footnote. But now Trump has drawn all of this attention to it. He has, he has spotlighted it. He wants everybody paying attention to him and to this grand jury and to Alvin Bragg and to Michael Cohen and to Stormy Daniels. I think there's a good reason for that. And I think that reason may go back to this excellent question that Mean Gene 1 posted on March 18th on Saturday. Why was Mueller, who was investigating Russian interference in the 2016 election, investigating Stormy Daniels' lawyer? Remember, Cohen got raided by the FBI, and they they took some of his uh, electronic devices, as they're described, and uh, Michael Cohen ended up pleading guilty shortly after being uh, indicted. Why was Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels, why, why were they of interest to special counsel Mueller. It's really weird. Another of Stormy Daniels' former attorneys was Keith Davidson. And as Mean Gene One writes, 
Davidson's involvement with Daniel's settlement interested Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller, who was investigating the payment. Cohen made the payment personally through a limited liability corporation. However, it was suggested he was to be reimbursed by Trump personally his campaign, or by his campaign, a payment which was not reported as a campaign expense. After the FBI searched Cohen's office in mid-April 2018, prosecutors asked Davidson to turn over certain electronic records from his interactions with Cohen. Now, the Cohen raid always interested me because that's the raid where the FBI used a filter team. It was a it was the pre, it was the president's lawyer, the candidate's lawyer, a candidate for president's law, personal lawyer, who'd been his attorney for a long time. They used a filter team and they appointed a special master to go over the case and deal with attorney-client privilege documents. And that special master was Barbara Jones, the same special master from Rudy Raid and Project Veritas Raid. The same one who's handling Trump's Trump organization right now. Or at least I think that's still going on. Another person who's straight out of Manhattan and part of the band, or at least closely associated with the band, as she's both, she and Giuliani both were in and out of Bracewell. Small world. And then Gene, he, he linked this article. And when I saw this article right here, this graphic, I was like, Columbus Nova. Wait a minute. Wait a damn minute. How money flowed through Michael Cohen's multi-purpose shell company. This is from May 8th, 2018. To keep news of a $130,000 payment to porn star Stormy Daniels quiet, President Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen, created a limited liability company in Delaware called Essential Consultants. Cohen said that he paid $130,000 of his own money into a bank account associated with the company and from that account transferred the money to Daniel's attorney at the time, Keith Davidson. The bank account, it seems, was a little busier than just that, though. On Tuesday, Daniel's current attorney, Michael Avenatti, released a document detailing a much more complex set of transactions involving the essential consultant's account with, drumroll, First Republic Bank. Wait a minute. I've seen First Republic Bank in the news lately. From yesterday, First Republic to face second S&P downgrade in less than a week. First, First Republic Bank will be downgraded again by the S&P Global Incorporated days after ratings firm cut the lender to junk. S&P's move to lower First Republic's longer-term issue creditor ratings from B-plus to BB-plus could be disclosed as early as Sunday, said the people. Following Thursday's uninsured deposit of $30 billion by the 11 largest banks in the country together with cash on hand, First Republic Bank is well positioned to manage short-term deposit activity, but not long-term. First Republic Bank is one of the big banks that's on the rocks right now. But here they are coming up as the bank that Cohen had his shell company inside. And I don't know if it's related. I don't know if it's related, but boy, is that that interesting. What a coincidence, which I don't believe in. In total, he alleged, back to this article about Cohen and Daniels and whatnot, 
In total, he alleged more than $4 million passed through the account in 2017 and early this year, that'd be 2018, including payments from entities associated with major companies such as AT&T and drug company Novartis. Most explosively, he claimed that essential consultants had received a half million dollars from a company affiliated with Russian oligarch Victor Vexelberg. Hot damn. Hot damn. No wonder Robert Mueller was interested in Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels. Cohen, through essential consultants, got money from Victor Vexelberg. Last week, the New York Times reported that Vexelberg had been detained and questioned by federal agents related to special counsel Robert Mueller's probe earlier this year. Vexelberg attended Trump's inauguration as well as a December 2015 dinner in Moscow that was also attended by Russian President Putin and former White House National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. AT&T and Novartis acknowledged the payments, with the former describing essential consultants as being one of the series of firms hired to, quote, provide insights into understanding the new administration. That would be Trump. An attorney for the firm Columbus Nova, the one associated with Vexelberg, told the Washington Post that the payments were consulting work not related to the Russian or his business Renova Group. The flow of cash detailed both the news reports and Avenatti's document is complex, so we created a graphic to help explain it. What a graphic. How money allegedly flowed through Cohen's LLC. Cohen, $130,000 into essential consultants, Columbus Nova, a half million. And then it flows out to Keith Davidson. And a million of it went to Michael Cohen later at his Morgan Stanley account. Dasting. Very, very, very dasting. Something else, Mean Gene One sent me the indictment of Michael Cohen. And so I started reading that and I started remembering how it was. I'd forgotten this. I, there's so much that I've forgotten. There's so many st stuff going on. Um, I'd forgotten how closely Cohen and Felix Sater worked together. They were the architects of the Trump tower deal in Russia, which was a sting operation. And I'm telling you guys, I'm sitting here looking at this thing. And I'm thinking about this news that Trump is supposedly going to be arrested. And I'm thinking about Costello testifying this grand jury. And I'm thinking about how Trump is drawing attention to all of this. And I'm thinking about how Trump is calling it a witch hunt. Well, there it is. There's the one I want. Now, Trump is calling it a witch hunt. I'm going to tell you right now. I need, I need to do some more. I need to do some more digging to refresh my stuff on all the things that went on in that 2015-2016 time period with Cohen. But I think it's more likely that Michael Cohen is working 
for Trump still than it is that he is not. And I think it's more likely that this Manhattan DA thing is a Soros DA being strung along on the bait that Trump always is in order to get us to the next step of the witch hunt. And Trump calling this a witch hunt, he, I mean, is such an obvious hint. It's not even a hint. He's telling you this is about getting the witch. This is about the hunt for the witch. And (laughs) there's this thing like Trump, the people Trump bashes the most and tries to convince you the most are so bad. Almost always are actually working on team Trump. (laughs) They're almost always Cohen was a lawyer for Trump for like nine years. And Cohen now whines about it. Like, Oh, I was so loyal to Trump and, 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 but he asked me to do something and I, I, and got me in trouble. And now I'm just trying to correct things. And, um, he made this comment. It's not, there was, it's not in this interview that I had pulled up, but there's another interview he recently did that I saw a clip of where he says, he says, there's this thing that happens with Trump where people around him keep getting arrested. People who are, his, he says, like people who are his lawyers and people who get close too close to him end up taking the fall. And that's right. Because <laughs> Trump is a freaking asset. <laughs> Everything around Trump is a sting operation. And it makes so much more like think you think about the contradictions that we've gone over with how this Manhattan DA thing doesn't make sense. But then also think about the contradictions and the odd, odd statements from Stormy Daniels, who has previously said she didn't have an affair. She's never said it was a sexual affair. She had a business relationship with Trump, which she refuses to talk about. And there's allegedly an NDA having to do with that business relationship, which she doesn't talk about. And Cohen being a longtime attorney and the way Trump talks about both Cohen and Daniels trying to make people dislike them and make people believe that they've turned on Trump or he's turned on them. And that draws people like politically motivated Alvin Bragg to go after them and try and find a crime. I just I just can't help but think that Stormy and Cohen are both actually on Team Trump. And that this is just another sting. So what could the sting be about? If it is a sting, what could the sting be about? Well, what if it's about getting communications from Vexelberg public? What if it's about exposing some swamp creatures like Victor Vexelberg, who was a Hillary Clinton friend and a Bill Clinton friend? What if it's about getting some of that information public? Or what if it's about just getting the DA and others to chase Trump 
only to, you know, to chase the matador's cape, only to run into a brick wall. One thing it's doing, though, which I've had this thought several times, is that all this talk about Trump and hush money to a porn star reminds me of Bill effing Clinton. It reminds me of William Jefferson Clinton and his money to all the women that he abused. And it's like, is it, is that what it's part of it? Part of the play here is they're getting all of these people who defended Bill Clinton for all of those years. They're getting them to condemn Trump for this $130,000 payment, which isn't even about a sexual affair but they're making it out like it is. And so all these people are coming out condemning Trump for a payment. He didn't even make Cohen made it. And then he got re Cohen got reimbursed. All these Dems and these people in the middle who defended Clinton are now reading about Trump for doing something many, many, many magnitudes less severe. Is it about to come out that Clinton paid a bunch of people? Is that information going to come out right out? Is that the boomerang that we're going to get? I don't know. Another thing I noticed, which is in this same thread is that Andrew freaking Weissman even said the illegal leak is from one Donald Trump, which is what I think too. I think the illegal leaks are coming from patriots, are coming from Trump. Yeah, Jatriot, the Cohen-Trump feud has always seemed like kayfabe. Yeah, it's so over the top and silly. R. Terrell, thank you very much. I say, I wish you would do a video or a substack on the whole Michael Cohen saga. I'm totally confused about it. Didn't he get indicted? Yes, he did, and he pled guilty. Um, I may do that. I may, I may do that. Um, I'm still, I'm still digging into it, but I may, I may, I may do that. Um, I'm kind of flush with choices for content right now. And it, so much of it is so interesting. I don't really know where to go. Um, yeah, I agree with this. Where'd that comment go? I, Absolutely agree with it. Snarky Dez, good morning. They say leaks are steering mechanisms. That's right. That is absolutely right. Um, but I don't. I don't think as as y'all y'all figure and as I've said, I don't believe that Trump is going to be arrested today, tomorrow, Wednesday, next week, the next month, the next year. I don't believe in this thing of Trump getting arrested, and that leads me to my next content. I think I've. I think I've flesh this out about as far as I need to. Um, but I want to get to this cause I want to attack. This is something that's kind of a pet. It's not really a pet peeve. I don't know if it's a pet peeve, but it kind of irritates me because this, this comes up every time. Um, there's any talk of Trump getting arrested. And I know that a lot of people, they, they're going to disagree with what I put forth here. But I'm going to put it forth, and y'all are welcome. To, you know, if you agree, if you agree with it, great. If you don't, that's cool too. Um, I I do think the drops are up to interpretation for 
each reader of the drops. And if you don't think they're credible, that's fine with me. If you think they are credible, that's great too. I think they are credible and I think they're from a team of Patriots. Um, 2020 Wayne. Wow. Thank you very much. They say just FYI, I saw a video from Mr. Truth bomb about Nexium that claims stormy Daniels was involved in branded. Don't know more than that. Thank you very much for your rumble rant. I don't know about that. Um, but I like Mr. Truth bomb quite a bit. So I will look for that video and watch it. I wonder if, um, I wonder if she went in there and gathered evidence because if she did, did Stormy Daniels testify? I wonder, did she testify in the Nexium case? I wonder I, the Nexium thing. I never paid that much attention to it. Kind of, it kind of came up and I didn't know what it was until about halfway through the news of it. Um, that's thank you very much for your own And also thank you for pointing me to Mr. Truth bomb. Cause he's awesome. So I'll go check that video out. Um, all right. So this right here comes up all the time. Drops 3716 and drop 3717, both posted to the board at the exact same time, the exact same second. They say the exact same thing. It's a double post, which is very rare. I think it might be the only double post, but I maybe there's one other, but really important. I think it was double posted on purpose in order to tell you how important it was. Like, this is so important. We're going to post it twice at the exact same second so that you guys know this is seriously, seriously important. It says first indictment unseal. So the unsealing of the first indictment will trigger mass pop awakening, mass population awakening. Next sentence, first arrest will verify action and confirm future direction. They will fight, but you are ready. Marker nine. You. So whenever there's talk of Trump possibly being arrested, people bring it up as Trump might be the first arrest. And I am not a fan of that, not just because I don't believe that Trump will be arrested because Trump is the bait in the trap that is being run. He's part of the sting. You don't arrest your bait. Like you're not going to do that. Also, Trump is the, is the leader. He's the commander of this entire operation. Um, you're not going to arrest the commander. You're not going to take your general off the battlefield and give him over to the enemy to put into a cell, right? Like it makes, there's no way that I can grok this where it makes sense um, that Trump would be arrested ever. But people think the first arrest needs to be really big. Um, they also confuse this drop and what it says about the first arrest, that first arrest will shock the world. That's not what the drops say. The drops say that the truth will shock the world, not the first arrest will. But people come sometimes confuse those things because there's so many cue quotes that get thrown around. Sometimes you get confused with them, and that's fine, like a game of telephone. But there's a reason why I don't think this will be the first arrest, and it's because the first arrest has already happened. That first arrest was Kevin Kleinsmith. He was arrested on August 8th, 
I mean, on August 14th of 2020. On August 17th, Q filled in his name right here on the placeholder indictments tracking non-civilian set one right here. Q filled in Kevin Kleinsmith. AC 11.3 K is the 11th letter of the alphabet. Three is the third letter of the alphabet. 11.3 KC Kevin Kleinsmith. So the first arrest was Kevin Kleinsmith. Kleinsmith pled guilty on the 17th right here. They had discussions about a plea agreement and then he pled guilty um, immediately afterward. The announcement was posted on the 19th. And so you can see that this drop happened on the 17th right here. Discussion of the plea agreement before the judge and it was set was happened on the 17th and a date for the plea was set on that day. So on the same day that a plea agreement was scheduled, this drop came out and said, Kevin Kleinsmith. The timing of it is perfectly linked that Kevin Kleinsmith is the first arrest and he verifies action to confirm future direction. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that Durham is Durham is going after the corrupt people who are in the FBI and who are in our government who went who tried to frame Trump. It verifies that Durham is going after the people who pushed Spygate and pushed RussiaGate and tried to frame Trump and team, meaning Sussman and Danchenko and um, Hillary Clinton and Fusion GPS and all, all of those people. He's going after the conspiracy. And where did he start? He started with the guy who altered an email, not because altering an email was such a crime, but because someone told him to do it. Kevin Kleinsmith didn't alter an email because he just he's part of the grand conspiracy and he's a mastermind and he knew to do it. Somebody told him to. Somebody told him to. And also Kevin Kleinsmith sent um two emails. He sent one unaltered and he sent one that was altered in the way he was asked to alter it. He gave the other person, the person on the other end, the choice of what to do with it. All right. So that's who the first arrest is, in my opinion. It's Kevin Kleinsmith. And I think it's pretty substantially indicated right there. Now, who's the first indictment unseal? Well, that would be Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell was indicted on June 29th, 2020, and then it was unsealed. On July 2nd of 2020. Announced July 2nd, 2020, that she had been indicted for running Jeffrey Epstein's enterprise. And she was arrested. Same day, July 2nd, 2020, you post this drop. This is referring to a tweet that's now gone, but it doesn't matter because right here, look at what it says. 
Argument, Maxwell is not a big enough name to trigger a mass pop awakening. Counter argument, do not make a statement based on assumption of worth and or value. Do not think today, but rather after today. One leads to another, leads to another, to another. One leads to many. Crimes against children equal common denominator, no matter political affiliation, mass pop awakening. So this drop that came out on the same day that Ghislaine Maxwell's indictment was unsealed and she was arrested mentions mass pop awakening and right here, mass pop awakening, which is what this drop mentions. First indictment unsealed will trigger mass pop awakening. Therefore, it's reasonable to conclude that the first indictment unseal drop right here, this line is referring to Ghislaine Maxwell. And what have we seen happen since July of 2020? We've seen so many people that were similar to Epstein in some way get arrested. Um, Epstein's enterprise is in the news right now because of the uh, case out of the U.S. Virgin Islands, because of the the Jane Doe's that are suing Deutsche Bank and J.P. Morgan Chase, because of uh, what's his name, Dims or Dimes or whatever of J.P. Morgan, who's been ordered to turn over so many documents related to his um, his communications with Epstein and how he's getting so he got so much money. Lex Wexner has been ordered to um, appear. He got served out of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, there's all these other people whose names are escaping my mind right now, but there's that was that Luke Brunell or whatever his name was. Um, there's a couple more that have been arrested and either suicided themselves or are in prison right now waiting trial. Jamie Dimon, thank you very much. Music and Fiction and Maggie Bundle, or M- Bunda, Bundy, Bund. I don't know. You've confused me on how to pronounce your last name now that you've been trolling Burning Bright about it. Um, uh, John Luke Brunel, that's it. So all these people since this time, like this, this, enterprise of abusing models, abusing young women is being exposed over and over and over again. And that's the mass pop awakening this drop is getting to. So if you have a different read on this, totally fine by me, but that's my explanation. And the first arrest has already happened. And the first indictment unseal has already happened. In my opinion. All right. What time is it? Okay, cool. Okay. There's a number number of other stories to get to um, that are kind of small. Here there. I already mentioned this one right here that uh, Evan Corcoran's been ordered to uh, testify for the grand jury in the Smith thing. Okay, talked about how Credit Suisse is or UBS is being is buying Credit Suisse last night and defected. Um, so I can skip that. Another thing that shows you that Biden is working for Trump, right here. President Biden has proposed in the 2024 fiscal budget roughly a half million dollars 
to be dedicated to deterring criminal actors from laundering their ill-gotten gains through the U.S. financial system. This is half million dollars to the finance to FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Um, a lot of people laughed at this, but I'm telling you, like, this is in line with what the, the Biden administration has been doing the, with um, the DOJ and Treasury. They've been going after money laundering networks and uh, various types of international crime and organized crime, uh, all of Biden's administration. And people scoff at that and laugh at it because they think Biden is like, I don't know. They think it's a, a a troll by Biden or something, but he's been doing this the, uh, this whole time. I remember in December of 2021 treasury put out this big document on all these changes to how they are going to, how they approach financial crimes and how they're going to crack down the swamp. It was a whole, it was a whole document about how the Biden administration together with the treasury are going after swamp creatures, international swamp creatures. And this is just another piece of that. Um, got that, got that. Okay. Another, another good one. I want to hit this real quick before we get to the miles Guo stuff. Um, I might skip this one. I want to, let's just hit this one. For some reason, people reacted to this story as if it was a really bad thing. I think it's a really good thing. The inspector general is getting involved in the whistleblower stuff. DOJ inspector general seeking testimony of former FBI agent Stephen Friend, contradicting Democrat claims. There's, I remember when we got this group of whistleblowers that came out of the FBI back in last summer that I mentioned that this was really good, but we should also be really careful about what these whistleblowers say, because a sure sure way to corrupt a bunch of whistleblower testimony or to bring it into question is to include some bad actors in it who say things that are not accurate. So we should just be careful about not automatically believing everything every whistle whistleblower comes out and says. And there's a problem with Friend specifically because his testimony doesn't match what he is told. Certain Republicans doesn't match what he has told Democrats, and he didn't get whistleblower um, status before he went and talked to a bunch of people. So there's just some things to be cautious about here. I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm just saying that there's some contradictions here and there's some odd stuff, and it's good that last Monday the DOJ Assistant Inspector General Sean O'Neill responded to a March 6th letter by the whistleblower organization Empower Oversight confirming that the Office of Inspector General intends to schedule an interview with Mr. Friend regarding his disclosures. Empower Oversight has been representing Friend throughout his raising allegations against the FBI. Democrats claim the IG already dismissed Friend's claims. Earlier this month, Democrat Minority and House Judiciary released a report disputing the allegations raised by Friend and two other former FBI officials, George Hill and Garrett O'Boyle. March 2nd, Democratic report disputed Republican characterizations of Friend, Hill, and O'Boyle as whistleblowers. Without that whistleblower status, the Democrats said Friend and the other former FBI officials do not qualify for protection from retaliation. The minority report said the DOJ's inspector general had already rejected Friend's claims. Empower Oversight followed up on the DOJ Inspector General's handling of Friend's claim, asking whether Democrat claims that the DOJ had dismissed Friend's allegations were valid. To me, this is good. We're going to get 
and get the inspector general involved in this, which he they should be. Michael Horowitz and his his IG team should be involved with this matter to find out whether Friend and Hill and O'Boyle are accurate in what they are saying, and then I, the IG can address um, address their allegations and seek to solve it. So I see it as a completely good thing. A lot of people thought it was bad. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. All right, Rhea, what the heck? That is incredibly generous of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that rumble rant. You are awesome. They say the band has bigger fish to fry. Asset DJT leading the way. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, man. You are awesome. Well, that's my coffee money for the week. Dang. (laughs) All right. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Next, I want to talk about Miles Guo. I do need to do another band show. That's true. I want to get this one and this. Okay. Last week on Wednesday. Last week on Wednesday, Ho Wan Kwok, a.k.a. Miles Guo, was arrested for orchestrating over $1 billion fraud conspiracy. This would be the same Miles Guo who is friends with Steve Bannon and who is a major investor in Gitter and who owns or is heavily invested in um, GTV and all these other um, things. He was arrested last week. He is a uh, Chinese dissident. Um, but let's let's look through this. Y'all y'all are familiar with him. He he's been on Steve Bannon's intro song for a long time. And um not his first brush up with legal troubles, not by a long shot. Um all right, so the announcement says that they are unsealing a 12-count indictment against Ho Wan Kwok, aka Miles Guo, aka Miles Kwok, aka Guo, aka Guo Wengui. AKA Brother Seven, AKA the Principal. So this guy's got a ton of names. <laughs> and also Ken Ming J, AKA William J, with various wire fraud, securities fraud, bank fraud, and money laundering charges. J, who was Quack's financier, is also charged with obstruction of justice. The charges in the indictment rise from an alleged sprawling and complex scheme by the defendants and others to solicit investments in various entities and pro- and programs throughout false statements and representations to hundreds of thousands of Quok's online followers. As alleged, Quok and Jay misappropriated hundreds of millions of dollars and fraudulently, uh, fraudulently obtained 
funds during the course of their conspiracy. Kwok was arrested this morning in New York, New York, and will be presented this afternoon. Jay is currently at large. So his financier is a fugitive right now. Inner City Press, who is a great follow on Twitter, he covers the courts in person. Um, here in SDN, he writes here in SDNY Magistrates Court, Inner City Press has been lo- the lone media, the only media there since Guo is to be presented upstairs. Now his co-defendant, ID'd as Yang Ping Wang, is being separately presented here. So there's a third defendant here, Yang Ping Wang, which was Guo's chief of staff. She was also arrested, but I haven't been able to find an indictment on her. It hasn't hit court listener as of last night. Um, We haven't seen it, but she's also been arrested. Yes, it's Yang Ping Wang with a separate docket number. Perhaps she's flipped. Yvette Wang has Jen Shaw's lawyer, Priya Chowdhury, who was just negotiating with the three U.S. attorneys here. She was arrested early this morning. She's charged with conspiracy to commit wire fraud and securities fraud at GTV. Note Yang Ping Wang, a.k.a. Yvette Wang, has been quoted about Guo's Sherry Netherland penthouse and is described as Guo's assistant. She's his chief of staff. Inner City Press, in his opinion, what's going on is that the U.S. attorneys want to flip her against Guo. They agreed to a $5 million bond secured by $1 million in cash or real property. Um, she is a citizen of China. She's not a U.S. citizen. She is charged with a $100 million wire transfer. She is a flight risk. Her apartment was put, purchased in the name of an LLC. She and Guo have worldwide supporters, the Himalaya Farm Alliance. In her apartment this morning, we found $138,000 in cash in a safe and 12 iPhones. She had numerous SIM cards and a large Hermes bag. Inside SDNY joke, he was a Metaburk and blah, blah, blah. We don't know what that joke is about. She is a political refugee from China. Chowdhury agrees with the U.S. attorney. Wang is, was Guo's chief of staff. She left China in April 2015 and has not gone back. He says GPS tracking is enough. Home confinement is not necessary. Ten days to meet conditions to find suretors. Her apartment is over a million dollars with no mortgage. One of her entities is in the BVI. She recently did business in Dubai and in the UAE. She could cut the GPS break bracelet, the attorney argues. So the U.S. attorney is arguing, look, this person does travel internationally. She's been recently in Dubai and the UAE, and she could just cut this GPS and find a way out of here. The two co-signers she proposed, we allege, are conspirators. She had $138,000 in cash because of her accountant closed in the banks like Santander and Bank of America. That's what her defense attorney says. She only had $138,000 in cash because her bank accounts got closed recently. Right. Judge Parker orders that she will be detained until $5 million bond co-signed by two approved. So she wasn't released that day. She must disclose all assets, including accounts and any cryptocurrency. I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen anything um, showing what her indictment is. I would love to read it. 
here is the indictment of Miles Guo and William J. I would love to read this to you, all of it, but um, it's 38 pages and we won't, won't have time, but I'm going to go through some of it with you. From at least in or about 2018 through at least in or about March 2023, Ho Wan Kwok, Miles, a.k.a. Miles Guo, a.k.a. Miles Kwok, a.k.a. Guo Wingui, a.k.a. Brother Seven, a.k.a. The Principal, a.k.a. Ken, Ken Ming Jay, and a.k.a. William Jay, the defendants, those two, remember Ken Ming Jay or William Jay is at large. These defendants and others known and unknown, I'm going to stop right there. Others known and unknown. That tells me more people are going to be charged. More people are going to be charged here. Guo, Jay, and and others known and unknown conspired to defraud thousands of victims of more than approximately $1 billion including victims located in the Southern District of New York. Kwok, Jay, and their co-conspirators operated through a series of complex, fraudulent, and fictitious businesses and investment opportunities that connected dozens of interrelated entities which allowed the defendants and their co-conspirators to solicit, launder, and misappropriate victim funds. Ho-Wan Kwok, a.k.a. Miles Guo, and William Jay, the defendants and their co-conspirators, who haven't been named yet except for uh, Yvette Wang. What they did was they took advantage of Miles Guo's prolific online presence and hundreds of thousands of online followers to solicit investments in various entities and programs by promising outsized financial returns and other benefits. The entities and programs used in the scheme included those known as GTV, G-Clubs, G-Music, G-Fashion, and the Himalaya Exchange, among others. In truth and in fact, and as Kwok and Jay well knew, the entities were instrumentalities that Kwok and Jay created and used to perpetuate their fraud and exploit Kwok's followers. The scheme, I'm going to I'm gonna say Guo because that's how most people are familiar with it. I'm going to try and switch it in my head where it says Kwok. I'm going to say Miles Guo because that's how most people know him as. The scheme allowed Miles Guo and William J to enrich themselves, their families, their members, and their uh, their family members and their co-conspirators, and to fund Miles Guo's extravagant lifestyle. As part of the scheme, Miles Guo and William J, the defendants and their co-conspirators, laundered hundreds of millions of dollars of fraud proceeds to conceal the illegal source of the funds. Miles Guo and William J transferred and directed the transfer of money into and through more than approximately. 500 accounts held in the names of at least 80 different entities or individuals. Hundreds of millions of dollars of the fraudulent schemes proceeds were transferred either directly or indirectly to bank accounts in the United States, Bahamas and United Arab Emirates among other places and held in the name of companies owned or otherwise controlled by William J. The defendants used more than approximately $300 million of the fraudulent scheme's proceeds for their and their family's benefit 
For example, Miles Guo used fraudulently obtained victim money to purchase, fund, or finance a $26.5 million purchase of an approximately 50,000-square-foot mansion in New Jersey for Guo and his family. Luxury vehicles, including an approximately $3.5 million Ferrari for one of Miles Guo's close family members. That would be relative one. And approximately $37 million luxury yacht that was used by Miles Guo and his family and purchased in the name of one of Miles Guo's close family members, relative two. A piano valued at approximately $140,000. A $36,000 mattress and a $100 million investment in a high-risk hedge fund for the ultimate benefit of Relative One, among other things. For his part, among other things, William J. transferred at least $10 million of the fraud proceeds into his and his spouse's personal bank accounts. Miles Guo and William J., the defendants and their co-conspirators, operated the scheme for years and continued to do so at least through the date of this indictment. They did so, among other things, by continually adapting the scheme's means and methods to evade the made enforcement of investor protection, anti-money laundering, and bankruptcy laws in the U.S., and by retaliating against individual victims who complained or demanded the return of invested funds. I want to pause right there and jump over to a hit piece on Miles Guo that the Daily Beast ran a year ago, February 11th, 2022. Of course, we understand who the Daily Beast is. Yeah, that's right. Salt Muncher, it is very pricey for a Ferrari. It was probably a Ferrari Enzo or something higher end than that. Um, I don't even think Ferrari Enzos are $3.5 million. Um, You may remember Steve Bannon was famously arrested on Miles Guo's yacht. Year a couple years ago, um, so this article is about Miles Guo. Man, my itchy nose. Um, I noticed something in this hit piece that I thought was pretty interesting. Just a moment, right down here. Guo, a Shandong-born construction magnate absconded from the Chinese mainland in 2014, fleeing charges ranging from corruption and money laundering to rape, all of which he has denied. Since 2017, he has lived in luxury, setting up residence in a $68 million Central Park penthouse and underwriting numerous right-wing projects, from nonprofits with Bannon to dodgy media operations to bogus COVID-19 studies, to would-be Twitter competitor Gitter. All the while, he has sought refugee status and attacked figures in both the communist Chinese regime and in the dissident dis- diaspora online. The yacht imbroglio is hardly the first time Guo's activities have, have run afoul of U.S. authorities. In September 2021, his company agreed to pay a half million dollars in security and exchange commission fines for running a cryptocurrency scheme in violation of federal regulations. Court documents filed in late January of, uh, let's see, this would be late January of 2022, I believe, um, showed the 151-foot-long pleasure vessel, the yacht right here, 
Um, now Guo has only until Monday to come up with the funds to get it back. His attorneys at Bake, Baker Hostetler, a firm with close ties to the Republican National Committee, declined to comment on the story. However, in an appeal, blah, blah, blah. Where is this line about? Right here. The fines are connected to a separate fight over Guo's enigmatic yet ostentatious wealth. Nearly five years ago, an affiliate of the Hong Kong-based investment firm Pacific Alliance Group brought suit against Guo, alleging his companies had failed to repay tens of million dollars in loans made between 2008 and 2009 or deliver on promised property transactions. The opulent boat has emerged as a key asset in that fight. There was another thing where he was... Is it this one? Yeah, it's, I think it's in this one. This is from August 2020. This was when Bannon was arrested on his yacht. And if you scroll down, you find out multiple people familiar with the matter tell NBC News there is a separate federal inquiry involving a company linked to both men, GTV Media Group. As the Wall Street Journal first reported Wednesday, the FBI, the New York State Attorney General, and the Securities and Exchange Commission are examining whether security laws were violated during a $300 million private offering by the company this spring. In a memo to potential investors, according to the journal, the company identified Bannon as one of several prominent directors. Last month, investigators with the Mercer Island Police Department in Washington State took an incident report from an unidentified victim who had become an investor in GTV Media Group Incorporated with the promise it was launching a video sharing platform similar to YouTube. That was supposed to go huge, according to an official familiar with the matter. The investor wired a half million dollars to receive shares in the company by the end of May, but never received those shares and wasn't able to get in contact with the reported suspect. As of July 10th, local authorities noted that no crime had been charged and the FBI was investigating the matter. So I'm going to go ahead and pinpoint that as a possible starting point for what we see here with investors and investors in his schemes contacting authorities and saying, yo, this, this guy absconded with my money, <laughs> never gave, never completed the transaction. All right. I'm going to skip this part of the indictment. Dee Mueller, thank you very much for that awesome rumble rant. That is very generous of you. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, White on Rice. White on Rice is hilarious. Really good follow on True Social and also on Twitter now. All right, the fraud. Roger, 5x5, five five, thank you for the rumble rant. Asking about Miles Guo. What do those mean? Um... Oh, well, there's some people who think when uh, when you do symbols like this, you're uh, part of the cabal with his hands like that and the red shoes. Or, or you could just be a Naruto ninja and you're about to do some amazing jutsu, but probably not. Probably the former rather than the latter. All right. Uh, 
right back here. The fraud. GTV private placement. Between in or about April 2020 and in or about June 2020, Miles Guo and William J., the defendants and others known and unknown, fraudulently obtained more than $400 million in victim funds through an illegal private stock offering to GTV. This might be related to what I just pulled out of this NBC article right here. On or about April 21, 2020, Miles Guo posted and caused to be posted a video on social media announcing the unregistered offering of GTV common stock via a private placement. In that video, Miles Guo described in substance and in part the investment terms for the GTV private placement and directed people to contact him via a mobile messaging application with any question about the GTV private placement. The video and GTV private placement materials including the written confidential information memorandum, subscription agreement, and investment procedure guidelines, were transmitted to thousands of potential investors, including those in the Southern District of New York, via mobile messaging applications, social media, and text messages. The PPM promoted GTV as the, quote, first ever platform which will combine the power of citizen journalism and social news with state-of-the-art technology, big data, artificial intelligence, blockchain technology, and real-time interactive communication. According to the PPM's metadata, that would be this information right here that I just read. Jay was the author of the PPM. The PPM disclosed the terms of GTV private placement and identified Miles Guo as GTV's sponsor and advisor. According to the PPM, among other GTV materials, neither Miles Guo nor William Jay held any formal management position with GTV. The PPM also contained the following representations in substance and in part one GTV private placement was for investors who were interested in evaluating an opportunity to invest capital into GTV Two, GTV planned to use the proceeds raised for the GTV private placement to expand and strengthen their business. And three, the PPM included a chart itemizing the contemplated use of proceeds. And here is that spreadsheet right here. Between on or about April 20th, 2020, and on or about June 2nd, 2020, approximately $452 million worth of GTV common stock was purportedly sold to more than 5,500 investors located in the United States, including in the Southern District of New York and abroad. Investors participated in the GTV private placement based in part on the belief that their money would be invested into GTV to develop and grow that business, as the PPM promised. The vast majority of the proceeds derived from investors in the GTV private placement were not used to develop and grow the GTV business, but instead were deposited directly into the bank accounts held in the name of Soraka, GTV's parent company, which is beneficially owned by Relative One. GTV private placement was not made pursuant to the registration statement filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Rather, the offering was purportedly made pursuant to SEC regulations that permit the sale of unregistered securities, subject to limitations on the type of investors to whom the securities are offered and the manner in which their investments may be solicited. To evade these limitations, however, Miles Guo and others under his control used at least one intermediary entity to purchase GTV stock on, on behalf of pools of investors who did not qualify to participate in the GTV private placement. 
in or about June 2020, and only days after the GTV private placement closed, Miles Guo and William J., the defendants and their co-conspirators, misappropriated approximately $100 million raised from investors in the GTV PPM and directed those funds to be placed with a high-risk hedge fund, Fund 1, for the benefit of Soraka and its ultimate beneficial owner, Relative 1. This transaction was contrary to the PPM's representations to prospective GTV investors about how investments in GTV would be used. Indeed, the $100 million investment into Fund 1 was not made for the benefit of GTV, but rather for the benefit of Soraka. The victims who supplied the $100 million invested into Fund 1 did not own any shares of Soraka. Ultimately, the investment into Fund 1 lost approximately $30 million in value. After directing $100 million of GTV victim funds into Fund 1, Miles Guo, the defendant, continued to promote GTV using false and misleading representations. The farm loan program, beginning in or or about June 2020, the same month that Miles Guo and William J. the defendants and their co-conspirators misappropriated money from GTV private placement for the benefit of Soraka and Relative One, Miles Guo and William J. and their co-conspirators fraudulently obtained approximately $150 million in victim funds through the Himalaya Farm Alliance. The Himalaya Farm Alliance, which Miles Guo organized and promoted, was a collective of informal groups, each known as a farm, located in various cities around the world. Miles Guo and William J. and others working on their behalf and at their direction obtained these funds by making further misrepresentations to the investors in the GTV PPM and fraudulently soliciting further investments, this time in the form of loans to a farm and promising that such loans would be convertible into GTV common stock at a conversion rate of one share per dollar loaned, called the Farm Loan Program. Starting in or about June 2020, domestic banks that held accounts used to process the funds raised through the GTV PPM began to freeze and close GTV-associated bank accounts because, among other reasons, the accounts had received dozens of large incoming wire transfers some of which referenced an unregistered stock offering. These bank account closures frustrated the ability of Miles Guo and William J. and their co-conspirators to collect proceeds from victims seeking to invest in GTV. So, on or about July 22, 2020, in a video distributed via social media, Miles Guo promoted the farm loan program. According to Miles Guo and those working on his behalf, individuals seeking to invest or reinvest in GTV could participate in the farm loan program. After launching the farm loan program, Miles Guo continued to promote GTV and to falsely represent the value of GTV. For example, on or about August 2nd, 2020, in a video distributed via social media, Guo falsely stated in substance and in part, quote, how much is GTV? It has a market value of 2 billion U.S. dollars. In truth and in fact, and as Guo well knew, GTV's market value was far less because, among other things, GTV was a new business that generated no revenue. Thousands of victims loaned money to the farms by sending money to bank accounts controlled by the farms and not GTV. According to the loan agreements, which the farms frequently did not countersign, these funds were to be used for a farm's general working capital purposes. Miles Guo 
and William J. misappropriated funds that were used or that were raised through the farm loan program. Good morning, Mermaid Miss K. Nice to see you. Hope you're doing well. For example, approximately $20 million was transferred to Relative One, approximately $950,000 of which was used to pay for a flight crew services on a private jet. Golly. Imagine spending a million dollars on a private jet and flight crew services. Approximately $5 million was transferred to an entity owned by Miles Guo's spouse. Approximately $2.3 million was used to cover maintenance expenses associated with approximately 145-foot luxury yacht worth about $37 million owned by Relative 2. Approximately $10 million was transferred to a bank account, personal bank account, of William J. and or William J.'s spouse. G-Clubs. While making misrepresentations regarding the farm loan program, Miles Guo and William J., the defendants and others known and unknown, fraudulently induced Guo's followers to transfer additional funds to a purported online membership club called G-Clubs. From at least in or about October 2020 through at least in or about March March 2023, so this month, Miles Guo and William J. and others known and unknown fraudulently obtained more than approximately $250 million in victim funds through G-Club. Starting on or about June 20th, 2020, in a video distributed via social media, Miles Guo promoted and encouraged individuals to purchase what Guo referred to as G-Club membership card. Formally launched in or about October 2020, G-Club claimed on its website to, quote, be an exclusive high-end membership program offering a full spectrum of services and a gateway to carefully curated world-class products, services, and experiences. To join G-Clubs, a member was required to make a one-time payment to purchase a membership, in addition to an annual membership fee. The cost of the membership varied based on the membership tier selected by the prospective member. Tier 5 membership cost $50,000. Four was forty thousand. Tier three was thirty. Tier two was twenty. Tier one was ten. On or about July fifth, twenty twenty one, in a video distributed via social media, Miles Guo stated in substance and in part that there were twenty five thousand G Club members, a hundred million dollars, the cash in the bank account. Then we have a hundred and eleven million who want to join. By contrast. G-Club's internal documents reflected approximately 5,900 active members as of in or about August 2021. In truth and in fact, and as Miles Guo and William J. well knew, G-Club's provided nothing close to a full spectrum of services and experiences to its members. Despite collecting hundreds of millions of dollars in purported membership fees, G-Club's maintained a relatively small number of employees and provided its members few to no discernible benefits. Indeed, G-Clubs did not even make good on prizes it offered for members participating in contests. On or about February 14th, 2021, G-Clubs held a webcast and sweepstakes, during which members were promised luxury prizes. On at least one occasion, instead of providing a BMW to a member who purportedly won a sweepstakes, G-Club claimed to the member that the member had requested that the value of the BMW be applied toward an upgrade from Tier 1 to Tier 4. As, as of on or on about, as of on or about March eighth, twenty twenty one, 
months after G Club launched and began to collect membership fees, G Club did not have a business plan or a board of directors. Miles Guo and Jay also used G Clubs as a mechanism to continue fraudulent private placement offerings. Guo and others, known and unknown, told Guo's online followers that their purchases of G Club and memberships would entitle them to stock and Guo-affiliated entities such as GTV and G Fashion. In a conversation regarding G-Club's membership funds on or about May 4th, 2021, William J. stated in substance and in part that, quote, First of all, prospective members are buying the G-Club membership that they are expecting they would probably receive some shares, you know, on the future GTV. I think this is their expectation. On or about July 30th, 2021, Guo stated in a video distributed via social media and in substance and in part, quote, some of the comrades in arms asked, will I still get a free stock offer when I buy a G Club membership? 100% because I said that I have to promise to anyone who buys G Club membership before September 17th must be allotted shares, which is exactly the same because we said that anyone can choose whether to use your money to buy G Club before September 17th, G Club and stock shares, you'll get both. Guo and Jay and others known and unknown asked, unknown asked investors to purchase multiple memberships in G-Clubs, enabling Miles Guo and Jay to increase the amount of money solicited. In this regard, G-Clubs website stated in substance and in part that members with multiple memberships would receive additional benefits. When in truth and in fact, and as Miles Guo and Jay well knew, multiple memberships did not provide members with, with additional benefits. All told, Investors purchased hundreds of millions of dollars worth of G-Club memberships. However, most of this money did not fund the business of G-Clubs. Rather, Miles Guo and William J., the defendants and others known and unknown, appropriated, misappropriated a substantial portion of the funds victims had paid. G-Club funds, which had been funneled through bank accounts and other entities' names, were used to pay personal expenses for Miles Guo and his family, including luxury purchases of approximately $2.6 million yacht, and luxury automobiles that together cost more than $5 million. In or about November 2021, William J. directed approximately $26.5 million of G-Club's funds, which had been funneled through bank accounts and other entities' names, toward the purchase of Miles Guo's 50,000-square-foot New Jersey mansion. William J. directed the transfer of funds of an additional $13 million of G-Club membership payments to an escrow account. The funds were subsequently used to pay for extravagant renovations to Quark's New Jersey mansion, including to a wing for Relative 1 and to a wing for Relative 2, and to purchase various furniture and decorative items, um, totaling about a million dollars, and a $62,000 television and a $53,000 fireplace log, $4.4 million Bugatti, more custom-built cars, um, with their names on them, vanity plates, um, or vanity custom built car named relative one. Okay. Yeah. The Himalaya exchange from at least in or about April, 2021 through at least in or about March, 2023. So this month, Miles Guo and William J and the defendants and others known and unknown fraudulently obtained approximately $262 million in victim funds through the Himalaya exchange, a purported cryptocurrency ecosystem accessible on the internet. The Himalaya exchange included a purported stable coin called the Himalaya dollar, the HDO or H dollar, and a trading coin called the Himalaya coin, HCN or H coin. 
The Himalaya Exchange claimed that the stablecoin was a digital asset with a fixed one-to-one dollar value. Yeah, that wasn't true. In videos distributed on social media, Guo and William J. promoted HCN and HDO, which he publicly described as cryptocurrencies. Whoa, what did he say about gold? It has 20% the value of gold. Awesome. It was born on currency on the first day, so it has value and is linked to gold, clear gold directly. No matter how much it raises, 20% will turn into gold. If the H-coin is worthless, the issuer of H-coin can sell all 20% of the gold, exchange it to you, and become your money. Or take all the value of 20% gold and ask everyone to unify it and make it yours. I can sell the H-coin in the market in one minute and get it back to my H-dollar and back to your fiat money. And you can buy anything immediately. The initial coin offering of HCN and HGO occurred on or about November 1st, 2021. HCN began trading at 10 cents. And within approximately two weeks, the Himalaya Exchange website claimed that each HCN purportedly was worth approximately 27 HDO or $27, which represented a 26,900% increase in value in two weeks. The Himalaya Exchange website indicated that HCN purportedly had an approximately $27 billion valuation. Yeah, I don't think that's true. At times, including following the Himalaya Exchange launch, William J., the defendant misleadingly marketed the Himalaya Exchange. For example, in June 2022, William J. attempted to create the impression that 3.5 million euro purchase of a Ferrari from a particular auction house was completed with HDO. So he lied and said he bought that Ferrari with this cryptocurrency. Contrary to J.'s claim, the Ferrari was not purchased using HDO. In truth and in fact, and as William J. knew, a MLA exchange employee sent the auction house an international bank wire to cover the cost of the Ferrari while also processing a corresponding transaction on the MLA exchange to create the false appearance that the purchase had taken place using HDO. J's statement was also misleading in that, among, the other th- among other things, the unidentified buyer of the Ferrari was, in fact, relative one. Rhea, thank you so much. They say, keeping your lights on, Kyle. Thank you for all you do. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, y'all are awesome today. Thank y'all. All right, there's more and there's more. A $37 million yacht um, purchased by Relative 2. Government seizure of fraud proceeds. The government stepped in and seized approximately $46 million in domestic bank accounts. Um, there's more, and there's more, and there's more, and there's more. Statutory allegation. Let me see. Um, I'm going to run out of time here, so I don't have time to go through all of this. I think what's the real rub hurt, the real rub here is that this is a 12-count indictment for money laundering and wire fraud and securities fraud against someone we're used to seeing being promoted by Steve Bannon. 
I mean, Steve Bannon's had this guy's Take Down the CCP song as his intro song for like two straight years now. And we know that Steve Bannon was arrested on his yacht and that these guys are close. And I think a lot of people are really struggling with how can it be that this guy is so crooked when he's that closely connected to Steve Bannon. And um, the other thing is that this guy is a major investor in Gitter, the social media app. Um, and it's pretty good bet that he used some of this money that he fraudulently obtained to fund Gitter. So what does that mean for Gitter? Um, I don't know what Steve Bannon has said about this. I don't know if he said anything. Um, I do know that a fire broke out on the same floor of the of his this guy's apartment, this guy's penthouse, on the Upper East Side where he was uh, arrested at. That while the FBI was searching his, uh, and this place had fifteen rooms. The FBI agents were searching the Miles Guo's 15-room, $32 million Manhattan apartment when a fire broke out about six hours after he had been arrested. And I don't know if the FBI were the only people there, but I just can't help but think. The fire is being – at first, the fire was investigated as an electrical fire, but they're trying to figure out if it's connected to his arrest. Um. I would not be surprised to learn that somebody working for Miles Guo tried to set a fire to destroy some evidence there in his apartment. Um, There are no coincidences. So I would not be surprised if somebody working for Guo tried to destroy some evidence and set a fire to do it. Um. What I, what I think is more likely, I see some people saying that, um, I see some people saying that Bannon is an asset. I don't actually believe that. Um, I don't see any reason to believe that. I mean, I'm, I'm open to it, but I don't see any reason to believe that. What I do believe is that by now criminals should know better than to get so close to Rudy Giuliani. Because Rudy Giuliani is going to bust you every time. And I think if there's anybody who's an asset who was used to bust Miles Guo and William J. in this instant, in this cir- these circumstances, it's Rudy. I would bet that Rudy caught him. And one of the reasons I think that is because the indictment mentions including trying to defraud citizens in SDNY that I could see that being Rudy. Then Miles Guo went to Rudy trying to get him to invest in some of these fraudulent schemes or to get him to help him get people to invest in them, such as Trump and others. And Rudy made sure to hear those offers and then communicate that to the FBI. 
And with, with Bannon guys, I just don't know. I just don't know. I do know that Bannon's rant last week against Elon Musk makes a whole heck of a lot more sense now considering that Miles Guo has been indicted for this fraud and Miles Guo is the primary investor in Gitter where Bannon is most active. You notice that Bannon is not active on True Social. I can say a lot of good things about Steve Bannon. There's a lot of good things to say, but his his rant last week Again, on Timcast against Elon Musk and saying that Elon Musk was CCP controlled didn't make any sense. It was such garbage. And then a few days later, someone this close to him gets arrested. I can kind of see why, I can easily see why Bannon would be anti Musk and why he would say those things. So that's. I have some concerns right there. Another thing I have concerns about, which I don't have it pulled up right here, is that the other person arrested, Yang Ming, uh, Yang Ping Wang, who is Miles Guo's chief of staff, she's a CCP party member and has been a member of the Communist Chinese Party since 1999. In fact, give me just a, I have just a minute. I will prove that to you. Just a moment. I don't want to make a claim without showing you guys the receipt. Just a moment. Let's see. I have this one. See, this is another court case. I think it's in this one. This is where um, there were two lawsuits against these two companies and Miles Guo came in and testified. And I think... Yang Ping, I think this is the one where Yang Ping testified to. Not Tang Ping, Yang. Yang, Yang, Yang. No? See, what's weird is that Guo says he wants to expose... CCP members and the communist Chinese party, but then his chief of staff is a member of the Chinese communist party. And those things don't make sense. Let me see. Maybe it wasn't in this one. Um, I think it's in this one. It has testimony from Guo where he talks about his communications with uh, the Chinese Communist Party and with Xi. Just a minute. 
this is from the 15th of 15th of July last year. I believe Gitter founder Miles Guo pled the fifth when asked in federal court about his money man, William J. He didn't dispute that J is a member of the CCP's Chinese communist people's political cons- consultative conference, CCP's Chinese people's political consultative conference. What is that? The National Committee of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. I don't think they're anti-CCP, are they? About Us Overview. The Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference is a patriotic united front organization of the Chinese people serving as a key mechanism for multi-party cooperation and political consultation under the leadership of the Communist Party of China, China's only national political consultative body. Okay. So that's Guo's chief of staff and his financier, William J, are both members of the CCP, which Miles Guo is supposedly fighting against. Gitter founder Guo was asked on April 22nd, 2021 in the strategic vision trial, the one, this document I just pulled up here, who is William J and Guo took the fifth amendment. He was then asked, aren't you concerned with Mr. William J being your money man if he is associated with the CPPCC? He pled the fifth again. Miles Guo, the founder of Gitter, admitted in the trial that his ultimate concern was not to overthrow the CCP, but to fight the Wang Kishan faction within the CCP that had ousted his sponsor, Deputy Minister of State Security Ma Jian. Question, and Mr. Guo, your concern, your ultimate concern was whether Wang Kishan and his faction retained power after the 19th National Congress, yes? Answer, yes, because over the phone I said that those were the people who were the dictators and those were the people that who were, so they should not be our leader and they also were the corruption, so they should not be our leaders. Remember in this hit piece from the Daily Beast on Wang, I mean on Miles Guo, they said that he... fled China in 2014 after being charged with corruption, money laundering, and rape. Now he's fighting the CCP, allegedly. But here he is with the chief of staff and a financier who is are both CCP party members, and here he is in federal test and court testimony saying that he's not actually trying to overthrow the CCP. He's just trying to get rid of this one faction who went against his friend or his sponsor, Deputy Minister of State Security Ma Jian. I need to look up what happened to that guy. I have a, I have a couple minutes. Let me see. Has anything happened to this guy? Has he been arrested? Disappeared? Deputy Minister of State Ma Jian is currently in prison serving a life sentence for corruption. He graduated from Southwest University of Political Science. He was the vice minister. Let me see. What 
He served as the Vice Minister of State Security and also Vice President of the China Law Society. On December 27, 2018, Ma was sentenced to life in prison by the Intermediate People's Court in Dalian for taking bribes worth 109 million yuan, forcing others to make business deals and illegally making 49.29 million yuan of gains from insider trading. It was claimed that most of the bribes were paid to Ma by the exiled businessman Miles Guo in order to help further his business interest. In the trial, Miles Guo admitted that he met with senior minister of state security officials in his New York City home in May 2017. Guo admitted he signed a letter to Xi Jinping that he didn't cross the red line in exposing too much dirt on CCP party members. Let me read that again. The court. Mr. Guo, let me ask you a question. Did you sign a letter to President Xi saying, I didn't cross the red line? Yes, I did sign such a letter. At the strategic vision trial, Miles Guo refused to tell the court on grounds of self-incrimination whether or not it was true that the CCP retaliated against him by freezing his assets in Hong Kong and the mainland. He invoked his fifth. Miles Guo admitted he received Communist Chinese Deputy Minister of State Liu Yanping at his New York home in May of 2017. Mr. Guo, were you bargaining with him over your assets? Uh, I plead the fifth. In the strategic vision trial, Gitter founder Miles Guo would not tell the court whether he was getting money from Communist China. Twice he pled the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination when in avoiding that answer. He also invoked the Fifth um, to avoid telling U.S. federal court whether he was taking money through Communist China at the time he became a business partner with Steve Bannon in 2017 and 2018. In the federal trial on April 22nd, Miles Guo invoked the Fifth Amendment three times when asked who was funding his front companies and when asked about a loan from his CCP money man to the front company. He admitted in federal court that he had told strategic vision that the manager of his business operations, who also manages Bannon's rule of law society was a member of the Chinese communist party. So I see a lot of people saying, no, Bannon's an asset. No, Bannon didn't know about this. That's right, Arturel. I can't figure out a way in which this is in any way, shape, or form good for Steve Bannon. Let me read this line again. Miles Guo admitted in federal court that he had told Strategic Vision that the manager of his business operations, who also managed Steve Bannon's Rule of Law Society, was a member of the Chinese Communist Party, who Miles Guo and Bannon 
are allegedly fighting each and every day. Miles Guo tells the court he cannot recall whether his lawyer, Dan Pohatsky, was speaking on his behalf and telling media that Guo and Bannon have a joint mission in regards to China, which is to get rid of the radical cadre inside the CCP and not to oust the entire CCP. Bannon's business partner and Gitter founder, Miles Guo, pled against incrimination when asked about a CCP money man, that's William J. He was asked, you introduced William J. and close associates, didn't you? You introduced him to your close associates, right? I plead the fifth. He wouldn't say anything about William J., who he's just been indicted with. This was a year ago. Do you own Guo Media? That would be G Media. Um, Fifth Amendment. Do you know who owns it? Fifth Amendment. Federal Judge Louis Lyman asked Miles Guo if he and Steve Bannon had a, quote, joint mission in regard to China. Guo replied, I don't altogether agree that we do. Okay. Miles Guo in federal court about whether he believes famous statement that 99.99% of Chinese Communist Party is decent people. Guo said no. Okay, closer to 99%? I don't know. Miles Guo again refused to tell the court whether he told my colleague and me that he had been unable to make money out of Communist China since becoming a dissident. That's another way of asking him. Are you getting money from China since you've become a dissident? And instead of saying no, he says, I invoke my fifth. And the threader points out this was a civil case, but Guo was invoking a criminal defense. I had aired in previous tweets by saying that Miles Guo invoked the Fifth Amendment when asked if he was still working for the Chinese Ministry of State Security. Guo legally did not deny the allegation. He indignantly called it rubbish, but that is not a denial. Have you ever stopped working with the Ministry of State Security? I don't really know what you're talking about. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I'm at. On this one, having having previously read this indictment and having never had a good feeling about Miles Guo, I've never had a good feeling about him. And looking at how he victimized people to buy yachts and mansions and Bugattis and Ferraris. And how he took money that was supposed to be for investments in GTV and other things. And supposedly you're giving Miles Guo your money because he's fighting the CCP. But then seeing that he had 80 bank accounts he was funneling things through with 50 different names. And the money was somehow winding up in his personal bank accounts. And he was... He and his friends were operating with this lifestyle here that is extreme. 
and that his financier is a member now of the Chinese Communist Party, and his chief of staff is a member now of the Chinese Communist Party, and that Guo doesn't really want to take on the CCP. He just wants to take on the part of it that arrested his friend, who was his former financier. I mean, it just comes off like this massive, massive scam artist, just con man. And yeah, innocent until proven guilty, but he looks guilty AF right here. This is bad, bad, bad. Bad, bad, bad. He's facing 100 plus years in prison. And he victimized all of these people and took a billion dollars from people who thought they were investing in something that would not only make them money, but would be a good entity, a good media entity against the Chinese Communist Party. Um, What that says about Bannon, I don't think it says anything good about him. If you think... If you think that Bannon is an asset or that Bannon helped catch this guy, you you could be right. Like, I can't tell you that you're wrong. Um, but right now, I'm, I'm just right here. I'm just going to be neutral. I'm just like super neutral. Just, I don't know. If, um... If an indictment came down against Bannon for his participation in this, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Um, and if, and if Bannon, if Bannon isn't indicted, then I'll be relieved. Because I, I want to believe that he wouldn't get wrapped up in something like this, but he's definitely wrapped up in it. I just don't know if he's criminally wrapped up in it, but he's definitely wrapped up in it because the only reason any of us know who the heck Miles Guo is, is because of Steve Bannon. So, um, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's kind of difficult to get around. Um. Oh, good morning, Karma Patriot. Yeah, Karma's right. Bannon was pardoned by Trump for the uh, build the wall thing, which was a completely different, um, com- completely different thing. Not related to Miles Guo. So. Yeah, 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 Salt Muncher. Um, we wouldn't know who Guo was if not for Bannon. So, I mean, it's really hard to separate Bannon from Guo, and Bannon's made it that way. But I think it's, you know, I think it's best to not decide, you know, upon, upon, upon Bannon. It's not like, um, 
Like, I don't think, I don't think we need to decide right now whether Bannon is good or bad. I think it's just like, hmm, this is very, very concerning. This is very, very concerning. I don't see Bannon as the guy who caught Miles Guo. Um, I really, I really don't. I have to admit, I have a, I have a bit of a bias that is another reason why I'm trying to be really neutral here about this in my position on Bannon. I have a, I have a bit of a bias um, that is against Bannon because he is such a black pillar. And I very much dislike that. Um, He's very, he's put out such good content and he can be so informative with his show, but he's also very, very negative. And I don't like that. Um, He sure dishes out those black pills and then weird stuff happened or weird stuff has happened around his show with people on his show. Like, um, what's his name? Jack Maxey and the Hunter Biden laptop and all this weird stuff that's happened around the Hunter Biden laptop where there's all these various copies floating around. And sometime, somehow, somehow Rudy having one copy turned into all these other people having copies and their copies are different. Um, kind of weird. Um, and then Trump calling him sloppy. Like he is kind of sloppy, but I think I kind of wonder if Trump meant that in a different way. Like he's sloppy in his dealings. Um, so I have, I have a little bit of a, um, a bias towards him where I'm like, Hmm, I'm just not, not sure about that. But then I can also think of a ton of good things about him, uh, that come out of his show with how informative it is and turning people out to vote and uh informing people about uh like the whole precinct thing and local action like totally behind all that i think that's awesome like i'm totally behind all that so but then there's also the fact that he pushed a lot of things right up into j6 that I'm not, I'm not super happy about like some of the things, some of the theories he pushed right before leading up into J six. And, um, and then the way he immediately turned on Mike Pence and so many others. I mean, I I said this the other week and people didn't really like it, but to me, Bannon is one of the, is one of those people who is constantly bashing every member of the Trump administration. And in doing that, he is he's promoting the fallacy that Trump came into Washington, D.C. and didn't know what he was doing. And he hired all of these idiots to work for him and all these deep state operators to work for his administration. And that screwed Trump over. And like Bannon doesn't I've never heard Bannon say it that way, but through his bashing of everybody, basically Bannon bashes everybody in the Trump administration, save for Cortez, Navarro, and maybe one other person. 
But everybody else that was in the Trump administration, Bannon has something bad to say about them. And so in doing that, I that comes off to me like promoting the fallacy that Trump went into Washington, D.C. and didn't know what he was doing and hired all the wrong people and made all these bad decisions. But Trump is great and MAGA to the core and we love Trump. But, yeah, he did a terrible job running his first administration. And I just think that's completely flawed thinking. I think Trump hired exactly who he meant to hire and he employed them for as long as he needed to employ them before he got rid of them. So good morning, Shecky. Good morning, Jason, Elaine, Buster Lou, Nova, Dwayne. Good morning to y'all. Larry, Jatriot, Music and Fiction. I hadn't said good morning to y'all. DZ Dork, good morning. Um, Dina, good morning. Yeah, you're right. Also, Cash and others bash people we think are good. He does. He's got a... Uh, Cash has a book to sell right now. <laughs> and that's what the book is about. So... It's... um. Uh, Johnny... Good morning. Yeah, I have some concern about Stephen Miller, too, now. Does Stephen Miller get wrapped up with this Guo guy and his scam? It kind of seems like it. I have concerns. So, look, I'm not, um, I'm not settled in my opinion on this. Like, as I'm, as I'm talking to y'all, you know, I'm working it out as I'm talking it to y'all. And I bet y'all are working it out, too. Um... Like I said, if Bannon gets indicted in relation to this Miles Guo thing, I would not be surprised. And if he doesn't, I'll be relieved because I have some concerns here. So. All right. That is the show for today. I need to run. I am definitely out of time. Oh, yeah. I am definitely out of time. So. Thank y'all very much, and uh, y'all have a great day. Trump's not going to get arrested, and if he is, if he does, guys, if he does get arrested, it'll be the the dumbest thing for them to for the DA to arrest Trump because all that's going to happen is that it's going to get thrown out immediately afterward, and probably the DA will get sanctioned for bringing such a stupid indictment, and Trump will be more popular than ever. So, like, I don't believe it will happen, but if it does. It ain't going to work out good for them. It'll work out great for Trump either way. Um, I still don't think it'll, it'll happen though. So God bless each and every one of you. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. Y'all have a blessed day. I'll see you on Wednesday morning.